by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good morning, Passion Church. Do you feel God in this place? Well, that's where you need to be, in the right place where God is. God goes with his people. If you, you know what, he'll be with you at your job Monday if, if you'll acknowledge him. You just say, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. That means you can always keep your heart open to the Lord. I don't know why I always start with something just the Lord drops on me. But maybe this is for somebody. If you'll keep that line of communication, you'll act like the Holy Spirit really lives there on the inside of you and you don't just ignore him all day long. If you'll talk to him instead of talking to yourself, you will have God with you wherever you go. You'll have this presence. You'll have this peace about you. People, I was thinking about Psalms 23 this week. I was ministering to somebody and it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why does goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life? Because God is with me. And when I go into the room, I'm carrying God. And when God, people see the peace of God on me, then I leave and they say, Whoo, I feel mercy and goodness. And they get what they need. We're carriers of the Spirit of God. And he's in this room today. And I love you, Jesus. I love you so much. I, Lord, this is hard down here. This life is hard. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There are challenges. There are stress. There's everything coming against us in the world right now. It seems like the devil's throwing everything but the kitchen sink of his people. But I just need to know God is with me. He said, don't be afraid, for I am with you wherever you go. That's what he told Joshua. Joshua had a few big things in front of him. You know, he was taking over from Moses. He had a few big responsibilities on his life. And he was a little bit afraid, thinking, I can't do as good as Moses, you know. But he did, because God was with him. And God used Joshua's life to accomplish Joshua's things. He used Moses' life to accomplish Moses' things. Is God, you going to let God use your life to accomplish your things? How many of you want to live your best life? Is there anybody in here that says, well, don't raise your hand on this one. <laughs> I just go on ahead and give up, you know. I'm just existing. I know some of you, I used to know some of you that were like that. But when the Word of God, when the Word of God started coming into your heart, it brought illumination. It brought freedom. It brought a spirit of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe there's more. And then... Look at you now. You got your little halo on straight this morning. You're looking good. Peace and mercy, goodness, God's goodness following you everywhere you go. It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness. Say, it's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. When they see the goodness on your life, they're going to say, I, I need to turn from what I'm doing and follow this fella. Where, where are you getting this? 
It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. It's, it's hard down here. I've been talking to Pastor Sajad from Pakistan all week. He's been sending me pictures, sent me a video. He went and visited. Uh, there were 25 churches burned down in the region of Pakistan where he, he lives. Thankfully, it wasn't his church. But he went to visit. I got a video. I'll probably show it to you next week. And uh, over hundreds of homes burned down, Christians. The Muslims over there get stirred up, and somebody claims that somebody desecrated the Koran or something like that, and so they take it out on Christians just at random. Maybe we'll take up an offer, and I don't know. We're going to pray about it. I'm going to talk to Pastor Vickers. But just brothers and sisters over there, and you're talking about, you think our life is rough serving the Lord. Over there where they'll burn your house down. They'll kill you. But I want to pray for them. Y'all want to pray for our brothers and sisters? You know, I thought to myself, I, I used to think like this. Well, those crazy people over there, if they're going to burn it down, I'm not going to pay to raise it back up or whatever. You know, I'm not, why, that's not my responsibility. They don't know how to get along over there. It won't be long. They'll be burning our stuff down over here. So we don't need to take that attitude. Evil is evil and good is good. Now, which side are you on? And if we don't love our brothers and sisters and take care of those who have laid their lives on the line to serve the Lord in a Muslim nation, we ought to respect what they're doing over there. We ought to be in awe because I see them on the streets preaching Jesus where it could cost them their life. And I ain't even started my message. Hold on a second. Let me get. It's going to be good today because God's got a word for you. God's got a word for you. It's going to change your whole life. It's going to change your perspective. How many needs your perspective changed? We, need, we constantly need to hone our perspective back in on God's way of thinking. But let's pray for the Pakistanis, Pastor Sajjad, and those who've had their churches burned down to the ground. Their houses burned down because of their faith in the Lord Jesus. Father, we lift them up to you. We know that it breaks your heart to see how we treat one another. And we don't call down fire from heaven on those Muslims that have done this. We call the Holy Ghost fire down from heaven. That they would be consumed with the love of God and the goodness of God would cause them to repent. Turn from their wicked ways. We pray for those modern, modern, moderate Muslims there that just trying to stay out of the way. But their hearts would be touched when they see these Christian people's plight and how they respond and how they turn the other cheek and how they show the goodness of God. Father, we just pray that can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? Can't we love one another? And I pray for our people, Father, that our hearts are open to the plight of the people around the world. We have not grown callous to the hurting and suffering, especially within our own, uh, our church, within the church of the living God, that we would love one another and our hearts would be tender and ready to reach out. Father, I know you have a good message. I know it's for me. <laughs> Lord, this message today is for me. I need to get my perspective right, Lord. 
And I pray that we would all listen to it like that. That we would be hungry and say, God, mm, let this sink into my heart. Let me plant some good seed in my garden today that's going to spring up eternal life in the days ahead. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess about 15, maybe, maybe closer to 20 years ago, and my how time flies. <laughs> Me and my brother, Heath, uh, we were going to start hunting down there in uh, Grenada, Mississippi. Now, you know, in that area, there's some forest down there that's open to the public. And we took our brother-in-law, James. And I remember the hour-long trip down there. And I'm just going to be honest, us Sheffield boys, we were raised a little bit different. We were told it was something to be a Sheffield that you're smarter than people, you're stronger than people, you're better than people. We had that Sheffield pride. I'm, I'm, I'm sure none of you have that in your family. <laughs> but, but we were told it meant something, you know. And it, it was kind of a thing that we felt like we had to live up to. And I was, you know, I think I was a young Christian at the time, and me and my brother, we decided to help our poor brother-in-law out and teach him how to hunt on the way down there. We didn't bother to ask him, did he know how to hunt? We just figured we knew better because we're Sheffields. So we said, we started telling him, all right, this is what you're going to have to do, James. You're going to have to get there. You're going to have to go deep in the woods. You're going to have to, you're gonna have to know where the wind's coming from. And we just basically rehearsed all the things that our dad had taught us. Neither one of us had really killed many deer <laughs> ourselves. But we thought, hey, we're Sheffields. We know how. He doesn't. He's not a Sheffield. And so we got down there, I'll never forget, we got out of the truck, and he had this tote that he had brought along, and he popped it open. It was like, whoo, what is that, James? He said, that's my hunting clothes. Well, what's wrong with your hunting clothes? He said, I sprayed dopey all over them, so I smell like the deer. And I'm telling you, it smelled horrendous. It smelled, oh. And he put those clothes on. And, and sprayed some more on his boots and everything. And we said, this guy is crazy. We took out walking, and, and we said, James, here's our idea. We're going to go. I'm going to go over here. You go over here. And, you, and James says, no, I'm just going to go right over here. And we said, James, that's, that's just a pine thicket. Ain't no, you ain't going to see no deer in there. Is it? And me and Heath looked at each other. He don't know what he's doing. Let's me and you. We're, we're Sheffields. Let's get this done. Let's go hunt, you know. We went way. We worked hard. We went way back in the woods. About an hour later, we're here. Pow! Come lunchtime, guess who's got a deer at the truck? James. <laughs> In fact, we hunted that whole season, and neither me or Heath, either one of the Sheffields killed a deer. But I think James killed two or three. By the end of the season, we were saying, now, James, what would you say about where we should get? Now, where'd you get that dope at? <laughs> I mean, literally, it seemed like the, the deer were trying to climb up in James' stand. And me and Heath were saying, I'm going to hunt on this side of James, and you hunt on this side of James. <laughs> you know, we all have ways of thinking. Some of it was planted in us from our parents, you know. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you think your family's all that. Or maybe, you know, there's other people that's the opposite. Oh, I, we can't do nothing. We never had no money. We ain't very smart. We're dumb people. <laughs> you know, we're Walmart folk, you know. Some people just see themselves a certain way. 
Uh, that was a joke. We're all Walmart folks, right? <laughs> so, but to think more high, the Bible says don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. You know why? Because you're going to spend the rest of your life in disappointment. You're never going to match up to your expectations of what you think you ought to be. You're going to live under condemnation because the devil loves to hear you think more highly of yourself than you ought. You're going to become a Christian and you're going to spend the first 25 years of your Christianity learning to be humbled. No, that's just me. <laughs> but on the other hand, those of you who don't think very highly of yourself, think I can't do it, oh, it's just me, I'm, I'm always failing, you're just giving yourself excuse not to become who God called you to be. You can't see it. You don't think you ought to be it. You're just settling. The devil loves that too, doesn't he? Where should we be? How should we think of ourselves? I think it's Peter that says we should think soberly. We should take an honest assessment of the gifts and talents that God has given me. There's really one train of thought that we need to get is what does God say about me? If each one of us could get a hold of what God is telling me and saying about me, and we were able to do the things that God has called us to do, we would all do great things. Maybe not the same kind of great things, but we would all do well. To not th think more highly of yourself, but not think lowly of yourselves either, but to think soberly and think God thoughts about yourself. Get rid of stinking thinking and apply God's thoughts. And that's what we're just going to talk about today is our thinking. Remember I said perspective? Our life should be built on one thing. What does God say? Let's turn to Romans chapter, chapter 12. Y'all know all this already? Who wants to preach it? Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read it out of the New International Version. I like the word it uses here. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Say pattern. What is a pattern? Something that's repeated, repeated over and over, right? And so, see, what happens is, if we are not willing to change our stinking thinking, we get stuck in the world's patterns. And we do things like the world. We live like the world. You have to actively tell people you're a Christian or they would never know. We think like Christians. But the Bible says do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're all somewhere messed up. We all have, we have, oh, what a tangled web we have weaved in our minds. Things we have believed, things that have been taught to us, even at schools, you know, by the government, everything. But what, what, what lines up with the truth of God? We need to transform our minds. Our minds need to begin to align with the truth of God, for the truth of God will set you free. 
Jesus says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So if you want to live in bondage, if you want to live well below, if you want to live under condemnation, if you want to just give yourself excuse and never do anything great, which I don't think anybody in here is like that, then just be happy with where you are. But if you want God's best, you're going to have to transform the way you think. You're going to have to align your thinking with the Word of God. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what you want. That's what your heart is crying out for. I want God's will to be done. You know, I used to want a lot of things. I, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to do this. I wanted to be great. Now I don't really care about that so much at all. I just want to do God's will. I just want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant in the end. I don't want to put undue pressure on myself. That's the world's patterns. That's why some of us are heavy laden with guilt and burdens and cares because we're trying to live up to some standard that God has not ever called us to. I just want to do God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I just want to be me. And that right there will set you free. Knowing that you don't have, you're not in competition down here. You just got to be you. What did Abraham, Moses, Gideon, Joshua that we talked about, what did they all have in common? God had to change the patterns in their minds so that they could be who they were called to be. Moses was like, I stutter. I can't, I can't do it. You're going to have to get somebody else. Gideon was like, man, I'm the least in my tribe. You know, I'm just a little fellow hiding in the wine press. Joshua was like, do you know Moses? He, he parted the Red Sea. What do you want me to do? I want you to pardon the Jordan, part the Jordan, Joshua. But he had to change their mindset so that they could do the great things that they had to do. What about Abraham? God's telling him he's going to be the father of many nations. He's never had a child and his wife is barren and they're almost 100 years old. That took faith. But see, faith come by hearing. Uh-oh, here comes something good. And hearing by the word of God. And the Word of God will begin to put faith in your heart to be who you're called to be so that you can do great things, little old you. There was a guy named Samson, on the other hand. You're talking about a gifted fella. He was like a modern-day superhero. Strength. I mean, one day he, took, he got mad and, and took the gates off a city wall took him up over his head and carried him up the hill just as a show of strength. He whooped a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean supernatural strength. He was gifted. He was born under some covenant that God had placed on his life. He had a major call. He should have been the main person that we talk about in the Bible. 
But what happened? He had his eyes and his heart set on the things of this world, the patterns of this world. He wanted to do what Samson wanted to do. He wanted to sleep with the prostitutes and and do things that weren't part of his covenant. He had his eyes on being rich and famous and wanting what he wants. His parents tried to talk some sense into him, but he just did what he wanted to do. And over and over and over, God tried to use him. And in the end, what happened? He died early, and he never finished the calling on his life. He never, he just used a very little bit of his potential. What could Samson have done if he would have renewed his mind to the, to the patterns of God's thinking, God's ways? In the end, his eyes got poked out. I guess the devil said, can I get his eyes? And God said, he ain't using them to search for me. He ain't using them to lay his eyes on my ways and my word. He lost his vision. Don't lose your vision. Don't lose sight that you are important in the body of Christ. That you are uniquely gifted and called to do great things for the kingdom of heaven. I know you've been beat down. I know you've tried and failed. Which one of these Hebrews 11 all-stars didn't at, at one point in their life? But they kept getting back up and they kept renewing their mind to the ways of God. And in the end, God was able to get them over the mountaintop, get them to their place. And he can do the same thing with you. You're not too far gone. It's just a matter of taking your mind and renewing it to the things of God. Using that thing. Actively using it. You remember hearing, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Well, be careful little brains what you think. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We are essentially the sum of our thoughts. You say, I don't know about that. That's scary, because <laughs> I know the things that I think. But if you don't act- actively change the way you think, there's going to be some scary things come out in your life. We're essentially the sum of our thoughts. And you say, well, show me that in the Bible. Well, then, okay, why is the Word of God, Jesus called the Word of God? What is this? The Word of God. Why is Jesus called the Word of God? Because this is the sum of Jesus' thoughts. This is God's will. And this tells us what Jesus did. When you look into the... You say, I love Jesus, but I just don't read the Bible. Jesus is the Word of God. I love Jesus, but I just don't ever hear from Him. Jesus wrote you a letter. He wrote you a book. Well, I love Jesus, but I just don't know his will for my life. There it is, written black and white. You are essentially the sum of your thoughts. The things that you allow yourself to think are the things that you become. And if you don't keep your thoughts pure and clean, 
then your life will not be pure and clean. I wrote this. We spend most of our time fixing situations when we just need to think, fix our thoughts. That's pretty good, money. not it? We spend most of our life putting a Band-Aid on things, fixing situations. Whereas if we just fixed our thoughts, we wouldn't be in these situations. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Say, fix your thoughts. That's what we're here to talk about today. We need to fix the way we think. Fix your thoughts. And what do you fix? How do you fix them? You hone in on whatsoever things are true. Remember the truth that set you free? Whatsoever things are honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You have to actually intentionally choose the way you think. I mean, we didn't. We've been never been told that. We think whatever I think, I just think. I can't control it. Yes, you can. You got to fix your thoughts about fixing your thoughts. You got to fix them on good things. Whatever you're thinking about, negative or whatever, is what you're becoming. And I'm going to show you that. But before, I'm going to tell you a story about my daughter since she's not here today. Could have picked on Josh, but he's here. He's bigger than me now, so. <laughs> when Kaylee was, I guess, 14, 15 years old, you know, there ain't much stopping them at 14 or 15, a girl. Especially a, a, a strong-willed girl like Kaylee. If anybody knows Kaylee, oh, she, she had her in children's church. <laughs> there ain't no slowing Kaylee down. Anyway, Kaylee said, I want to go to the movies. And I said, okay. She said, a bunch of my friends are going. Can I go? And I said, yeah, I'll take you up there. I said, what are y'all going to see? And she, she didn't want to tell me. <laughs> Found out it was a horror movie. We hadn't allowed none of that in our house. I mean, I'm not opening the door to that devil. You're talking about fixing your thoughts on the wrong thing. Some of you won't go in the dark right now because of horror movies you saw as a kid. You think that those, those things you saw didn't affect your life? So I don't want my daughter seeing these things. I don't want my son watching these kind of movies. So I said, mm-mm, no, no, you're not going to, we, you know we don't let you watch that kind of stuff. She said, Daddy, but you're, you're just being crazy. All the other girls' parents don't mind. They're all going to see it. All my friends, I'll be left out. Wow, wow, wow. And she went on and on, and she wore me down. And so I thought, well, maybe I can use this as a teaching moment. I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do, Kaylee. I'll let you go see this movie under one condition. When this movie's over and you come home, you will go outside in the backyard in the dark and sit under that pavilion for 10 minutes by yourself with no electronics or no light, anything. You just got to sit in the backyard in the dark for 10 minutes after you watch this movie. She's like, sure. Thanks, Dad. She jumps out of the car. She, she watched that movie. She came home that night. She thought I was, had forgotten. I said, Kaylee, I want you to go give me your 10 minutes in the backyard. She said, oh, okay. She went out there. She went out there 15 seconds. She banged on the door. Let me in, daddy. Let me in. <laughs> you think what goes in your eye gates doesn't matter in your life? Of course it matters. Psalms 101, 
verse 3 in the Amplified says, I will set no worthless or wicked thing before my eyes. The psalmist says, I'm not looking at stuff that I shouldn't look at. Oh, how the devil is using that in this generation. Because everywhere we turn, there it is. We have to actively fight against looking at things that we should not look at. If, if we want to be godly, we will set no worthless or wicked thing before our eyes. He said, I hate the practice of those who fall away from the right path. It will not grasp hold of me. But he's saying, he's saying that if, you, if, you, if you're looking at worthless and nasty things, that they will grab a hold of you. There's a lot of things I could say about that, but we've got to guard the gates of our mind. And when I say the gates of our mind, do you know what I'm talking about? The eye gates and the ear gates. Those are what allow things to come in, the thoughts, the ideas, the worthless things, the patterns of this world. If we allow those things to come inside our gates, I was thinking that Jesus said that we enter in through the narrow gate. He said broad is the path that leads to destruction. If, you're, if your gates are wide open, just I'll watch horror movies, I'll do everything the world does, well then you've just opened yourself up to all the horrors of the world. And it's a broad path that leads to destruction. He said a Christian comes in through the narrow gate. There's got to be something. I got like little TSA guys at the gates of my eyes and ears, you know. You got to go through a metal detector before you come in here. I got to guard what gets into my mind or I'll start saying every kind of evil thing that I think. Proverbs 24, 3 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. These are the gates to your garden. And you're determining, and your garden is your heart. And you got to guard it. Because what comes in your gates, plants in your garden. And how many would just admit, i got a lot of weeds growing in my garden. I have been allowing the horror movies of this world to invade my space, my heart. My heart is not clean. That's why David said, create a clean heart in me. Renew a right spirit within me. If you ever get to that place where you've seen things you shouldn't have seen, done things you shouldn't have done, heard things you shouldn't have heard, then say, God, create a clean heart in me. Help me weed this stuff out. Because I'm going to get a harvest that I don't want. You can't say, I want, I want corn and apples. And plant sin and destruction in your heart. You're going to get what you plant. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Here's another thing I wrote. Untended gates affect our lives more than the situations we face. Somebody's going to argue with me about that one. Somebody's going to say, no, I just got all this stuff coming against Everybody got stuff coming against them. But you're more than an overcomer in Christ if, you, if, you, if you're keeping your heart right. 
But what happens is when these situations hit and we done clouded ourselves with a bunch of doubt and unbelief and ungodly stuff, then we're just a shell of the man that, or woman that God created us to be. Untended gates. You're not keeping an eye on, you're not keeping an eye on what you're keeping an eye on. <laughs> you're not listening to what you're listening to. Untended gates affect your life more than the situations that you face. Everybody has situations, but the children of God will overcome. We let stuff in that destroys us internally, and we blame the external situations. When most of everything that's destroying you, everything that's bringing you to your knees, causing depression, causing you to feel like i got to take this drug just to get by, is because of things that we've let inside our heart. Gates left untended. Some people can go through horrific outside external pressures and still be fine. Cast their cares on the Lord. Because they're pure on the inside. And then we got, you know, the third option, medicate, to give you some relief. And what is that doing? Just numbing down the intellect that you need to make the corrections needed to live the life you want to live. Right? Medication is, is okay. I'm not, I'm not against medication. There's, there's times where you have a bodily need for some corrections in your system or whatever, and maybe you need just a little bit to help you. So I don't know. You ask God about that. But if you're just using medication just to use medication so you don't have to think about the things you ought to think about, and because it don't make you want to think about anything, then that's not living at all. That's not living. It could be medication or it could be alcohol. Let me give you the progression of a worldly pattern in our life. We don't tend our gates with godly intentions. We're not being careful. We have no standards. Say no standards. God gives us guardrails so that, you know, if I get a little too far to the left, I bump back into the middle of the road. I got to have standards in my life. I got to have them on the front end. I got to know what my standards are. I got to have standards. We don't tend our gates with godly intentions. We don't reject worldly stimuli. The things that the world is, we don't reject it. We give those things thought, and those thoughts plant into our hearts. We've already gotten this far, right? But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, Jesus said. And that's found in Luke 6, 45. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What your heart is full of is what you're going to say. I know some good Christians. I hear them cuss. Let them slip all the time, you know. It's like, I don't, I, you know why? Because they're working in an ungodly situation. Everybody around them's cussing. Right? They wouldn't normally cuss. I don't know why I said that for free, but, but it got, those cuss words got planted in their hearts. And if you're watching movies, it's got a bunch of cussing in it. Guess what? Cuss words are going to start slipping. You know what? Your mouth is the best indicator of what's in your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is leaking. 
It's telling on you. Are you negative all the time? You done planted negative seeds in your heart. Are you positive and peaceful and joyful? And you speak good words? Well, it's obvious that you and the Holy Spirit have been tending those gates. And then, so you got it on your tongue. And this is where it begins to affect you because the power of life and death is in the tongue. You see how these principles work together? Proverbs 18, 21 says the power of life and death is in the tongue. What you're saying, well, I don't think we, most of us realize that this is spiritual warfare going on down here. Just because we can't see the angels and the demons don't mean they're not there. Your mouth is giving permissions to the devil or to the angels. To the demons or to the angels. You're down there saying, I'm no good, I'm broke, I'm never going to have any money. And the devil said, he just gave us permission to, to break his washing machine again. Take his money. And the devil's meeting in the courts of heaven and going before God and saying, God, your man said it. God's like, okay. I'll, <laughs> power of life and death is in their tongue. God gave you free will to choose. You're given permissions with what you say. You better be careful. And not only that, your own heart is hearing it again. And what you're saying is what you're beginning to believe stronger and stronger. And your body is reacting, oh, I always get sick. So your immune system says, okay, well, here comes that, that flu. Let's just let it on in because our master said that we always get sick. So I guess we should just let it on in. Some of you say, well, no, it's just, I don't know about all that. Believe what you want. Believe what you want. I'm showing you the principles. You do what you want to with it. But our actions will follow our tongue off a cliff. You're going to start to do what you say. And your actions set the direction of your life and they determine the person that you become. So what do you, you want to be a better person? Go back to the beginning and fix your thoughts. Your actions and the person you become starts with your thinking, with your thought life, with what you're planting in your heart, what you're, what you're thinking on plants. I, I can't stress that enough. John 6, 63 says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And he says, in the very words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Earth is hard. We have to actively choose spirit and life. We have to actively choose spirit and life to overcome. Here's a, a radical thought. But did you know that you can challenge your thoughts? I'm just going to tell you, most Christians have no idea. They think, well, I didn't, I didn't even want to think that. I just started thinking it. And they never challenge their thoughts. 
And I want you to know the devil can throw thoughts at you. On the whole armor it says that you take up the shield of faith that you may quench the fiery darts of the wicked. He's throwing fiery, nasty thoughts at you. It's not your fault that, that you think something terrible. It's your thought that if you let that bird nest in your hair, what's that saying? If you, you just, you know, if you just continue to think on, oh, yeah, that, that. Oh, well, let's think on that some more. And you just let your mind go. No, you can fight against negative thoughts. You can actively challenge every thought that comes to you because you know that it's going to be planted in your heart. You have an obligation to guard your heart. Don't let your mind go crazy. Your mind's like a vacuum cleaner sucking up everything. Everywhere it goes, it thinks over 70,000 thoughts a day or something, you know. So we have to actively choose what we think on. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What are these? Thoughts. It could be, it could be people, or, you know, evil people or whatever. I think that's what it's talking about in, in the context. But it could be your thoughts too. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. you got to know the knowledge of God to know whether the thought is good or bad, right? So that would be a good place. His words are spirit of life. Get them in you so you have a, 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 a standard. And then when those thoughts come, you demolish those arguments. And it says we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. When a negative thought comes, an ungodly thought, you say, no, I take that thought captive. I put it in jail. It's not getting through the gates. It's not getting through the gates. That's not me. That's not who I am. I don't think on that. I think on things of whatsoever lovely, pure, good report. There be any virtue, any praise. Those are the things I think on. I'm just telling you how to overcome. I mean, you can take it how you want, you know. You can be serious about this if you want. I've heard that before. But we all need to hear it again over and over and over. Because this is the challenge that we face is our thought life. A girl named Jeannie Allen says, I just love this. I'm going to read it to you. She says, when we're spiraling in noise and distractedness, we have a choice. To shift our minds back to God through stillness. She's saying you have a choice. She said when we're spiraling in isolation, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through community. I'm going to hit somebody in this church before we leave here. Some people love isolation. They, their, their default is just, and I can be like this. I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to go be alone. I don't want community. I just want to feel bad about myself. And I just want to be alone. Right? She said, when you do that, you have a choice to shift what your mind back to God through community. You have to actively choose to be a part of the body of Christ. I see people come and go in a church. A lot of people will be out three or four weeks. And you ask them why they had, They don't have an excuse. They just, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't come. I, they, they fell back into isolation. The devil was pulling them back to, 
You have to actively fight against that. When we're spiraling in anxiety, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through trust in his good and sovereign purposes. When we're spiraling in cynicism, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through worship. When we're spiraling in self-importance, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through humility. When we're spiraling into victimhood, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through gratitude. When we're spiraling in complacency, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through serving Him and serving others. If you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you have a God-given, God-empowered, God-redeemed ability to choose what you think about. Another guy named Neil Samudri said, Beliefs come through repeated thoughts. That's how, that's, the things that you believe right now are, are the things you thought on and over and over. He said, that's why we don't need to get the wrong song stuck in our head. <laughs> you ever done that? Boy, I hear that song. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And I, it just gets stuck in your head, you know. Gloom, despair, and agony. And I got to the whole church singing it now. I was, Dadalactic, 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 you know. <laughs> oh, that's a catchy song, but what? It's a repeated thought in our brain. Is You ever put your CD player on repeat and the same song keeps playing? All day long, I'm singing gloom, despair. By the end of the day, I'm gloom, despair. I don't know why I'm feeling so bad, Angie. I just feel like the world's caving in on me. We ought to be singing, surely God is in this place. Surely God is in this place. We ought to be setting our, that's why they give you the K-Love challenge, you know. Listen to K-Love for 30 days, positive and encouraging. Because it works. You start listening to positive music, your, your attitude lifts. You're tending your gates. You start watching Good Christian television instead of bad guys, you know. You don't feel so nasty on the inside. You are what you eat. Some of us got some stuff down in the basement. Remember Rocky Balboa? <laughs> he says, what are you saying, Rocco? You got some stuff down in the basement. You know, down in here. <laughs> it's the beast. You got to get that beast out. How do you do it? You replace negative with positive. It's simply making better choices going forward and say, God created me a clean heart. Lord, pluck up these weeds. Help me, Jesus. Help me get them out of here. There's some thing, ways I used to think that were so major in my life. They, they helped me determine every decision I make, every direction I went. And I was destroying myself. It was a spiral downhill. But one day at a time, one seed at a time, one scripture at a time, I began to choose what I think on. Then when the, when the devil comes, I'm like, no, buddy, that ain't getting through the gate. Mm -mm. 
I know the truth, and that ain't the truth. You know, he comes as an angel of light. He comes to deceive. He's the father of lies. He's trying to get you to believe everything he says. You've got to know the truth so you can, you can live in truth and live free. I think it's time for us to sing a new song. There's a great Christian theologian named Angie Sheffield. And she often asks me, she says, if God inhabits the praises of his people, who inhabits the complaining? We've got to know what manner of man or woman that we are and whose we belong to. We've got to choose life, actively choose life. Romans 8, 5 will close. He says, for those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds. See, that's what we're talking about, setting your mind. What are you setting your mind on? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. You wonder why you're acting like an idiot? The only, thing, only God you get is on church on Sunday. But six days a week you're living like the world, setting your mind on the same things the world sets it on. But those who live according to the Spirit, the capital Spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells within them, that actively ask the Holy Spirit to fill them, they think on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's what we're after. That's what we're after, life and peace and me being who I'm called to be. Frank Outlaw says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, because it controls your destiny. And what did it start with? Watch your thoughts. All that started, you could have nipped all that in the bud if we will just watch our thoughts, collect ourselves, think on these things, whatsoever things are lovely. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. People want to know how to change. How do I come out of drug addiction? How do I come out of alcoholism? How do I come out of gambling? How do I come out of pornography? How do I come out? Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. And you'll fix your destiny. Stand to your feet with me, if you would. We're going to make a confession of faith. I listened to a Craig Rochelle sermon one time. And he told you to write down the things that you want in your life and confess them. And I, and I did. That was five years ago, and that's still on my desk, and I do it at least once or twice a week. Here's my confessions of faith. Jesus, you're first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify you. I am disciplined and growing closer to you every day. Because of you, my family's closer. My body's stronger. My faith is deeper and my leadership is sharper. I love my wife and lay down my life to serve her. <laughs> I love my children. <laughs> and I'll do whatever I can to make sure my children love and serve you. I am anointed, empowered, and called to reach people for you, Jesus. I love people, and I believe the best about others. 
I am creative, innovative, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I lead people. It's not something I do. It's who I am. I develop leaders. I wake with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. These are the things. I stole most of them from Craig Rochelle. I wasn't smart enough to write all that down. But I've been confessing it over my life. And I have seen major changes in these areas. And I, go, and I, and I use them as standards in my life of the manner of man that I ought to be. And so they helped me tremendously. It would do you well to write down the way you, the confessions of your faith. You know, Jesus spoke and it became so. And he wants us, he framed the worlds by the words of his mouth. And we frame our worlds by the words of our mouth. When you leave here today, your challenge is to go and to think of what manner of man or manner of woman you ought to be. Write it down. Don't make it that long. <laughs> Write four or five of them. And then begin to confess that out of your mouth every day. And believe God to change those thoughts. Fix your thoughts on those things. And watch how they begin to change your attitude. And your attitude begins to change your world. Say it with me like this. God, I believe what you say about me. Your words are true. I find myself in you. I'm going to fix my thoughts on you, on your word, on the things that you want for my life. God, create a clean heart in me. Renew a right spirit within me. Help me be an overcomer. Help me do all you called me to be. I belong to you, and I give the devil no place. I tend my gates with gladness. Nothing gets in but the truth. This is who I am. This is who I will be. In Jesus' name I pray. And in Jesus' name I confess and declare, let it be so. Amen. You can be seated. There's another great confession that gets all this started. That's in Romans 10, 9, and 10. He says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is the pathway to a right relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the gate. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So that's the gate we all must enter. We must believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and we must give, our, give him lordship of our lives. We say, Jesus, you're Lord. You said it. That settles it. I follow it. I give my life to you. That sets our feet on solid rock that we can begin to build a life. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're here today and you've never done that, in fact, I was ministering to a young man today, or yesterday, I think it was. Not today, yesterday. And I asked him, are, are you saved? Are you sure about your salvation? He said, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've been baptized and all that. And I said, well, if you died right now, do you know if you'd go to heaven? He said, well, I, I, I guess. I said, this ain't a guessing game. You know what? The Bible says that you can know that you have eternal life, and this life is in his son. I said, let me ask you why you're guessing. Is it because, that, is it because you're thinking 
that I've done some bad things and some days you feel saved and some days you don't? He said, yeah, kind of. I said, so you're basing your salvation on you. That's not salvation at all. Your salvation must be based on the cross. It must be based on what Jesus did. He was the only perfect one. When you look to the blood of Jesus, to the cross, when you make Him the Lord of your life, no matter what you do or what you feel, it does not change the fact that He was perfect. I said, you need to pray with me right now and make Jesus the Lord of your life. and Stop basing it on you. I said, do you want to do that? He said, yes, sir. So we prayed. And he had prayed that prayer before, you know. And I think a lot of people have prayed that sinner's prayer maybe ten times. And they just, nothing sticks. It don't seem to stick with me. Huh? Well, there needs to be repentance in your heart. And there needs to be a, a firm commitment, a, 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 a real longing for Jesus to be Lord. Not just, I want a free ticket to heaven. That's not enough to be saved. The devils would love a free ticket to heaven. And they believe. And tremble. So what's missing? There's no repentance and there's really no lordship. Maybe you're here today and you're still basing, well, I feel saved this week, but last week I didn't. You know, I did some bad things. And, and, there, and like I said, there's no indication that nobody could even tell you're a Christian because your life is not changing because of it. Well, you need to put Jesus on the throne. You need to make him Lord. and You need to, you need to base your salvation on him and not on you. You're giving yourself excuse. If there's anybody in here that needs to know that they have a home in heaven, you need to know that Jesus has got to be Lord. You need to know that you need a real relationship with Him, with your Maker. That you've got to know Him to know that you have eternal life. Pray with me. Say, God, I truly repent of my sins. And I truly make you Lord of my life, Jesus. With every intention of my heart, I want to follow you. Help me. Fill me with your spirit. And lead me in all truth. I pray in Jesus' name. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.